everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are continuing our discussion on the Dark Crystal with the Netflix series Age of Resistance. This came out in 2019. Um, It has since been canceled to our great dismay. Um, We will get into that. Um, But for this episode, we are only going to be covering the first half of the season, and then we'll cover the next half in a part two, because there's so much that's going on. Like, I remember when we were talking about the movie, we're like, it's like a lot's happening, but like nothing is happening with the show. Like, here's the detail. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is happening. So much is happening. So many characters to follow. So many individual character arcs that are also like part of this big like character arc for the land of Thra, like for Mm -hmm. the world of Thra is also going through this character arc. It's really nuanced and really like great. It, it's like a masterclass in fantasy, I feel like. Mm-hmm. they just It's just so freaking good. Um, but before we get into that, if you want to support the show, um, we do have a coffee account. We also have our shop with some amazing designs by Alex. Um, you can also send us your Star Wars stories. We would still really love to hear from you guys. Or you can talk about, really, honestly, anything now that we've yeah. talked about before. <laughs> so. You can talk about WandaVision. You can talk about Willow. We would love to hear people talk about Willow. Yeah, like, if you guys (laughs) watch Willow for, like, the first time and want to, like, record your thoughts, we'd love to hear that (laughs) because it's such a fun ride. I am, like, ever since we watched Willow, I, like, I think about it, like, all the time. (laughs) I really do. Like, I'm not kidding, Shannon. Like... It was so good. I I was so surprised <laughs> at how much fun that movie was. Like, I just, like, sit and I'm like, oh, yeah, Mad Mardigan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, we would love to hear about that kind of stuff. Um, we talked about our journeys with Marvel. If you want to tell us your journey with Marvel, that would be great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also kind of ties into our recommendations. So the first thing we're going to recommend is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Two episodes have been out. Two episodes are out. I so the the first episode I, I liked. I wasn't I was like, all right, this is really different from WandaVision. It's it's okay. It's it's more shooty bang bangs. And then we get into the second yeah. episode and I'm like, this is what I wanted. Yeah. It was like the first episode was kind of dripping in testosterone. Like it it was like I was like, this is not for me. I'm like, <laughs> I am enjoying I think I'm enjoying it for what it is. But, like, this is not catered to me. Right. I think that's how I felt about the first episode. I was like, this is good, but, like, whatever. WandaVision was made for me from day one. Like, from the first episode, I was hooked. Um, But, yeah, like you said, the second episode really delved into their characters. Um, Really got under their skin a lot. and, And that's what I like. I mean, like, both of us like to see that. Bucky is... A sad boy dealing with so much trauma, um, so much built up in him, like that he just. I think he does. He feels very alone and feels like no one can relate to a situation. Yeah, I I really liked getting into that a little bit more. You do see it in the first episode, but it, in this one, I feel like it felt more like internal. Like, like, I don't know if it makes yeah. sense, but, like, in the first episode, it, it did feel, like, very, like, you know, like, I am sad, but I am a man, and I'm gonna, you know, keep being me and punch my way out of it, whereas I feel like in this one, 
because um, you see again when he has the therapy session, uh, he actually does participate and like answer her questions and like kind of gets down into it. So, and, and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Um, they are really baiting Bucky and Sam. And like they know they're baiting, they know we and, know. And we know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, this feels wrong to be doing this to us, but I'm really enjoying them rolling in the field together. Wait, I love like you told me there was a Naboo reference, and I didn't know what you could possibly mean. I was just like, oh, really? How interesting! And then the second it happened, I knew that's what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then my my other friend said that when she was watching the scene, she thought about Princess Bride, about rolling down the hill. Oh, yes. It's just, like, there was no heterosexual explanation for why you would include something like that. I just... Yeah. They're just guys being dudes, you know. <laughs> um, so I mean, we're gonna, well, you're gonna see where it goes, but I, I do, I do want to say one thing about Bucky before we move on to say anything about Sam, though. Um, I think Sebastian Stan is doing like his best acting he's done in the MCU. Yeah, I would agree with that. He is like fully just acting through like his facial expressions and his body language a lot of the times because Bucky like doesn't talk that much. There's a lot of scenes where he's just quiet, but like you completely understand like what's going on with him. Yeah, I I think that that's something that they do really well with. I mean, obviously, Sebastian Stan is doing amazing things like with his face and the way he stares. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that I have some, like, weird opinions on, like, the camera work in this show. <laughs> it is weird. It is weird, right? It is right? weird. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think when it comes to Bucky's things, the way they use the camera and the shots makes sense. Like, the way that they linger on things or, like, the close-ups. Like, those I like. Yeah, I think that the way that they're framing Bucky with the camera is, like, you're you're kind of, like, entering his psyche. Like, you're mm-hmm. kind of, like in that, like, anxious mode with him. You're kind of, like, in that, like, those deep thoughts with him where he's kind of bottling all that up. Yeah, and I I really enjoy that. And I I do think that Sam is a good foil for that because I do Mm -hmm. think that he is a little bit more extroverted. Like, he talks a lot more. He kind of is trying to figure things out. But obviously, he has his own things going on. Oh, yeah. He totally has so much going on. (laughs) I think that he's the type of person where, like, he's very encouraging to other people and be themselves and and not bottle things up. But, like, he doesn't really look introspectively to himself that he has so much that he's bottling up. He kind of, like, pushes all – like – He's like, oh, like, I don't have to worry about my problems if I'm worrying about everyone else's problems around me. That is absolutely right. Because I I think, you know, we've never had the story centered on him, which is why we haven't seen, like, he has a sister and, like, all this stuff is going on. But I also think you could look at it as, like, he doesn't really think about himself and, like, his problems and he doesn't want to deal with it. So, like, his way of dealing with that is, like, making his sister's problems his problem. And, like, he'll come in and Mm -hmm. he'll solve it. And then it'll be fine. And he won't have to, you know, do the work of the fact that, you know, clearly there's still some tension there. And there's some things that he might have done. And 
he's dealing with feeling unworthy and it's it's very interesting and I, I am glad that they're doing that work. I am also glad that they are acknowledging the fact that he is going to be, you know, a black Captain America and I'm glad that they are doing the work of like showing that in the show and like actually dealing with everything that that comes with and all of the stereotyping, all of like the racist things in the show and I never thought mm-hmm. Disney would do that. Like, yeah. they, like, you know, they did it with Zootopia, but they were animals. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see how that's going to keep going for Disney. Um, and I, I really think that Anthony is doing a, an amazing job. Yeah. Both the, both the stars are so great. Mm-hmm. They're really good. Yeah. Um, so moving out of that, and depending on how much we like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we might do another, like, Marvel and Mascara thing about them. Yeah. Um, we are liking Bucky more and more, um, as Alex has said. Yeah. <laughs> they tried to put her, TikTok tried to put her on Bucky Talk immediately, and she was like, no thank you. And now she's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right when I joined TikTok, I somehow got so much Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because I joined around the time that, um, Devil the Time came out. So I was, like, out there looking for, like, double the time Tom Holland videos. And they're like, well, Bucky is also in this, so you're going to get Bucky videos. weird in that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyways, like, so that ended up happening. And I was just like, no, TikTok, you got it wrong. But, like, actually, they were just looking out for me down the line. TikTok does a soul read. Like, yeah, they they know me better than I know myself, yeah. I think. Yeah, TikTok told me that, like, they're like, you need to be on Daddy Obi-Wan TikTok. And I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't have expected it, but you know what? You're right. Um, but anyway, other recommendations. Um, I forgot to cancel my Apple TV subscription, so now I'm watching more things. I watched M. Night Shyamalan's Servant, which was just so good. <laughs> I cannot explain how wild this show is. It's, like, some of the best, like, horror I've ever seen. It's so good. (laughs) It just keeps getting weirder and weirder. My mom and I, like, binged the whole second season because we just couldn't stop watching and, like, needed answers. And there's definitely going to be a season three. And I just, like, if you like M. Night Shyamalan's movies, you'll definitely like this show. And... It just, like, we talked about weird camera stuff with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Servant also does that, but it's so interesting. Like, they'll hold a shot too long and, like, make you feel awkward and make you oh. feel weird. Or, that he, like, they know exactly when to, like, cut the music, but, like, people keep talking or they keep rambling and it's like, I feel weird now. Like, it just, the tension is so good. <laughs> It's just great. It's, well, it's great. I'm glad you were getting something out of Apple TV yeah. plus. Other than Cherry. Other than Cherry. I'm very happy. Yeah. Yeah. That that was the plus side that came out of it for, for <laughs> sure. Um, and then as far as book recommendations, actually, Alex is here for the book recs. Yeah. So, like, Shannon and I both read Nick Stone's Cherry novels. The second one just came out, I think, in February. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, um, they're very good. Yeah, like I haven't really been turned on to reading Marvel novels. 
Um, you read the Captain Captain Marvel one, but it was kind of just okay for you. Like it wasn't good, wasn't it, bad. It was. It was what I expected a Marvel book to be. Whereas the Sherry yeah. books are definitely more fun. Yeah, and like I think we've we're pretty spoiled with Star Wars books. YA specifically, yeah. <laughs> there are one. There, there, there have been more recent ones that like we haven't liked. Obviously, I'm looking at you, Poe Dameron Freefall. <laughs> um, oh but for the most part, Star Wars YA slaps. Like it is great. So I think I was just like, well, it's not going to live up to that. But the Shuri novels do live up to that. They are yeah. that good. They they really are. Their Nick Stone was an amazing choice for those books. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see her do more. I would love to see them let her do, like, a higher age level, like a higher YA. Yeah, um, this is low YA You know sure. what? Like, if, if, anybody, if anybody was going to write, like, a Falcon book, I'd like to see Nick Stone do it. <gasps> That's cool. I think she could. I, I think in the vein of Dear Martin... A f- like a Falcon book from her would be really good. Like a young, like a young Sam. Yeah, like maybe why he joins the military or like how he started flying. Like mm-hmm. that would be really interesting. I'd be really here for that. Cool. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, I would also say um, I will always think about how we thought um, Force Collector would be the dark horse of the. <laughs> The Joss <laughs> novels. <laughs> we were just that so was like, wrong. <laughs> but like honestly, like I hated that book at the time. Like I really hated it, and like I won't go back and read that. But when I think about it, it's still way better than <laughs> Free yeah, Fall. I mean, yeah, I, I like I really thinking... wasn't enjoying that book. Like that, like Force Collector. Remember, I got it two weeks early, and I'm like, no, like this book is like awful. Yeah, but like yep. Free Fall is like now I look back and I'm like, I probably like over. Like, well, I was like a here's dramatic the thing. about like, it being it's, awful. It's readable. <laughs> Free Fall is not readable. <laughs> um, but you know what is readable? The Dark Crystal YA novels. Yeah. So I've read, I believe I've read three of them, and they're all by Jam Lee, who is also a writer on the TV show. And these novels follow, they all follow Gelfling that are basically secondary to background characters on the TV show. So these books are canon, even though they have they are written, like, years before the TV show aired. They follow, like, Tavra. They follow Naya, who is Gurjan's sister. It's almost like you're getting a bunch of B-plots to the TV show, which is really cool. And I, I feel like that makes sense, too, because... The show is centered around three specific Gelflings, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very obvious that, like, as the story goes on, it does get bigger because there's, like, a, a rebellion. There's a resistance that's kind of rising. And so I, I like that the books are being used to tell that story. And, mm-hmm. like, from what you've said of the books, like, I, I definitely want to check them out. I think they sound really cool. And probably at this point, if we're going to get more of the Dark Crystal story, it's probably going to be in books. So, Well, didn't they, didn't they say they would be trying to finish the show 
story through comics and books. Yeah, and I was uh, reading on their Wikipedia page. Apparently, season two was written. Like, the it was done. No. It was ready. Yeah. Don't tell me that. So, like, it's not like they didn't know what they were going to do. They just, they had it ready in case it got renewed, and then it just didn't. So if they wanted to continue the story, there is still story that they have prepared. Oh. And, like... And to be honest, like, even without you telling me that, I fully believe that J.M. Lee and, like, the other writers together, they planned out the whole arc. Oh, this yeah. This isn't the sequel trilogy. Like, they knew exactly what they were doing with the characters. Like, the, the, the way the end, the end of season one happens, like, I'm not going to get into that, but there's a big thing that happens at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm positive they knew how they were writing themselves out of that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, it it was very clear that they didn't just, like, write this season and then they were going to, like, well, we'll see where it goes. Like, no, they have, like, they knew how it was going to connect in to the beginning of Dark Crystal. And they probably knew how long it would take them as well. Um, So it's just a shame. You think it'll take another 30 years for them to be, like, wait. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I, I mean, hope not. No, but like I someone someone is going to realize that like they're sitting on a gold mine of a story. Yeah. Like I don't know when it's going to happen. Today's audience is going to finally get sick of kind of the the model mm-hmm. that Hollywood has been taking and go back to hopefully go back to really rich like storylines that are presented without fear of judgment from the audience. Yep. Um and Dark Crystal is the perfect story to be told. Like I don't know. It, we're living in a weird day. Like to and the reason that they canceled it is because it's too expensive. Um but it was originally pitched as animation, and Netflix were the this ones that were like... This makes me so angry. Yeah, they, they were the ones that were like, no, if we're going to do it, we're going to do the puppets just like Jim Henson would have wanted. And to me, since it was originally pitched as animation, and now it's too expensive, just make it animated. Like... Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's like, you... So you knew what you were getting yourselves into, Netflix, by, by taking it upon yourself to say, no, we're going to do this right if we're going to do it. And then go back on that and say, this was too expensive. We can't do a second season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it makes me really sad. And we're going to talk about it um, briefly before we fully move into the Dark Crystal. Um, there was some news that we missed last time. Um, we had it in the document. I just didn't read it. It's fine. Um, but the, it was announced that the Mandalorian novel that was going to be coming out, I believe, in the summer... Um, it's no longer happening, or it's indefinitely delayed. Um, same with the visual dictionary. Um, the art book did come out. You can order the art book now. Um, but they released a statement saying, due to the ever-expanding world of The Mandalorian, we are no longer publishing blank um, for the, the novel and the visual dictionary at this time, as the story continues to unfold on screen. Um, that's a little weird. That's a little ominous. I am sure it probably has to do with Gina Carano being fired, but... You think so? I don't think so. Really? You think the book, you think the novel was about I think the novel was about Kara. I personally 
I think they would have had a woman writing a book about Kara. I know that's not we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have had this guy writing Kara, but I personally think that publishing would have assigned Kara to be written by a woman. That is true. Just the way that publishing has worked, they they've yeah, like think about all the um, women centric books. Have any of them been written by a man? That is very true. That is very true. You they do have a point. definitely had Claudia write Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon the other yeah. way around, but I haven't seen that I can think of, like, a woman-centric novel written by a man. Yeah. No, you, you, are, era. you are right, because, like, you can even go to things like Inferno Squad, and, like, that was a primary, you know, female main character, and they gave that to a woman as well. So that is that is true. So I don't know why this is. Um, they didn't give anything else about it. I'm a little bit worried about Mandalorian going into season three. Um, I hope that they can get it together, but um, time will tell. We'll we'll see. <laughs> um, the other announcement that we got is that. Emma Miko Candon will be writing a book called Ronin coming out October 12th. It is an original novel inspired by one of the animated tales from Visions, which will be coming out on which will be coming out on Disney Plus. Um, and it is, quote, a Star Wars book quite unlike any before it. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know anything about this. This is like brand new. I, I don't know who this character is. We don't know anything, if it's going to be Jedi, if it's going to be Bounty Hunter or whatever. But I'm kind of excited that it's so new. Like, it's not a Luke book. It's not a, you know, I don't know. It might be interesting. Publishing just stays intriguing. Yeah. Publishing just kind of like is <laughs> they like, stay winning. here, we're gonna, we're gonna give you this little bite-sized clue, but like also keep you really intrigued by whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They're good at that. They are really good at that. I I like that. I feel like a lot of the intrigue now... See, publishing, if anybody's going to take a risk, it's going to be publishing. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, there's not as much writing on it, not as many eyes on it. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm, and, and I'm all here for animation, too. I'm like, as we're getting closer to the Bad Batch, I'm like... Excited? I'm I'm kind of more excited because we've had this break. Like, Shannon, like, we've had a bit of a break from Star Wars for a while. It's been a while. It has been a while. May 4th. So we're going to have, like, like, five months since The Mandalorian. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sitting here laughing, though, because I completely forgot about The Bad Batch. <laughs> I was like Yeah, the Bad Batch is going to be out in about a month. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, we had WandaVision and then Winter Soldier and Falcon." And then I was like, "Oh, and then the next thing's Loki." No, the next thing's no. Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah. I I agree with you though. Like I think it it has been nice to kind of have this break. It'll be good to return to Clone Wars era, I think. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe the clones will fall in love. Who knows? I just want to see the clones fall in love, okay? (laughs) 
All right, so with that, we are going to be moving into our Dark Crystal discussion. We are only talking about the first half of the season. We'll talk about the second half later. Um, I'm not quite sure how linear this discussion is going to be, so I think I'm going to go ahead and put a general, like, there will probably be spoilers. Yeah, so if you (laughs) haven't watched this show, you really should. We both really recommend it. Um, And I I did want to start off by saying, like, what made you watch this show? Because I definitely watched it because you told me to watch it. So what drew you to the show? So it was getting a lot of press. Like, I remember marketing for this show being everywhere kind mm-hmm. of thing. There was an emphasis on all these voice talents, like Mark Hamill being included, Jason Isaacs. Emphasis on... The Jim Henson Company really, like, doing what they do best, which is puppets. A lot of, I, I would say, like, a lot of intention to detail a lot of what, like, they were doing to sell The Force Awakens with the, like, mixture of practical and um, CG. I just remember, like, the news being all over this, like, new, like, like media news outlets, um, The Nerdist and, like, um, io9, like, all of those outlets just being really excited and I don't know about in the US, but Canada um, got the movie added to Netflix um, that summer, I think before the show dropped in August. And um, I watched the movie and this was summer 2019. So this was before Tross. And I remember latching onto the movie and being like, there are like Raylo, this, there's Raylo stuff in this movie. I just, like, it. I've, I've said it about WandaVision, and I've said it about The Last Jedi. There are those two, plus the Dark Crystal sh- show, are things that, before going into it, I just had a good feeling. Like, in my gut, I was just like, this feels, like, special. This feels like something that the creators put all of their might into and, like, kind of just didn't think about the audience, you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. Because, like, The Dark Crystal as a movie, you know, like, it was, you know, they they really loved it. Like, Jim Henson really worked really hard on it. He had a lot of information about it. He was really excited about it. And it did become a cult classic. I, my exposure to The Dark Crystal before the show was just, and this is a really weird call out here. I was watching The Odd Ones Out on YouTube. (laughs) He has a video where he talks about the scariest childhood movie he's ever seen, and it was The Dark Crystal. And that's all I knew about it. And when this, you know, they started advertising for the show, I was like, oh, that's that really creepy kids thing. So I wasn't sure about it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't like puppets. Um, But when you started watching it and you were like, this show is amazing, I was like, I definitely need to check this out. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it is something that from the outside you can tell is going to be good because this, and here's the thing, I feel like this, unlike the sequel trilogy, was like a true, like, the fans really love this story, so we want to tell more stories and we want to tell more about this world yeah but other than saying like oh the fans want to see more that was where that ended whereas I feel like with the sequel trilogy it was they got really caught up in what the fans wanted 
And Mm -hmm. to me, that's, you know, that's why Tross fails, because if you give the fans everything they want, you know, they're still going to be disappointed anyway. Um, But when you got, like, The Last Jedi, it seemed like they were just really focused on telling this great story. And I think that's what the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance is doing, is that they were like, you know what, here's the story that we're going to tell. They really fleshed it out. They really planned it out. And then it just feels really satisfying when you're watching it. Even the first episode, you, you're enriched. Yeah. Like, that is, like, the word to describe this show is, like, you are sucked into this world. Like, you are in thrall when you start watching it. Mm. Ever, like, it's, like, one of those shows that you watch where all your surroundings kind of, like, dim and, like, you are in this world. The world building is incredible. Like, well, I've heard a lot of people compare it to War of the Rings, like – that attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, they do their exposition really well. Because, like, this mm-hmm. is a fantasy story. Everything is brand new. Everything's made up. Like, it's not rooted at all in anything familiar. Like, yeah, the Gelflings kind of resemble people, but they're not people, you know? Um, normally with, like, a fantasy story, especially if it's something like Tolkien... It can feel familiar because there are humans or maybe it's a little bit old English, but like Dark Crystal is not that at all. And I do think with the film, there's so much that you don't know. And it's like you don't necessarily have to know it, but it sure makes things easier to figure out. Um, And then when it comes to the show, like there is a narration in the beginning where they kind of tell you like, you know, long ago with Thra, how the Skeksis came and they're throwing everything at you. Like, you know, there's three suns, there's seven clans, there's the crystal of truth, it's the heart of Thra. And even though it's like a lot, for some reason, the way that they spell it out, it just feels so magical. Like, it, it, it really does feel like you're settling into like, this is going to be like a journey. This is going to be a story. And it's getting you ready mm-hmm. for that. Definitely sets up a really, really satisfying hero's journey. Um, that doesn't feel like it's going too slow. Like, I think the pacing's perfect. Yeah, when I um, was watching it, and I was kind of trying to figure out, like, if, you know, if we were going to cut it in half, how we were going to do it. Like, honestly, everything builds up to, like, this mini climax in the fifth episode, which is exactly halfway through. And I'm like, that's so perfect. Like, that is the perfect, like, turning point. The pacing is just done really well. So the first episode, and, like, the title of all of these episodes don't necessarily mean anything, but the the title of the first episode really kind of hit me because it was called End, Begin, All the Same. And that kind of hit me as very Star Wars, as, like, you know, kind of like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Like, the story has been told. These things have happened. These things will happen again. Yeah. And it, they don't learn. They don't the, learn. The Gelfling aren't learning. No. I And that's another reason why we want to keep seeing the story be told, because this does take place before the Dark Crystal movie. And, you know, we talk... Yeah, and there's still a huge gap between yeah, a huge gap. the show and the movie. And, and like, we, we've talked about the movie already, so, like, we're going to talk about it, you know, in the movie. All the Gelflings are dead, except for two of them. Yeah. Um, and the Skeksis have taken over, the Skeksis are really bad, all that kind of stuff. So when we open up in this, there are a ton of Gelflings. There are seven clans. This is like like High Republic era, if you put it in like Star Wars yeah. terms. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah. and it, You're so right. It is like, 
it it really is like that which like kind of like like you said kind of takes away expectations from fans Mm -hmm. like when you go back to something where you're getting less familiar characters exactly yeah because it like obviously you still have that expectation of like you know where the movie picks up so like you know where things are going and like it has all the same skexies in it um and like Mm -hmm. you you kind of already know that the skexies are evil but also like look at them there's no hiding the fact (laughs) that the skexies are evil um, Even just the word Skeksis. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's very, like, that's the thing. I'm like, <laughs> these Gelflings really thought that these were, like, benevolent beings that came to help them. Like, really? Look at them. <laughs> um, but it, it, it does take that expectation away. And it, it kind of, like, you know, for me, like, when I was watching it the first time, I didn't know anything about the movie. So, like, it was cool to be introduced into this new world and these new characters And, like, you know that since it's a prequel, like, yeah, things are going to go wrong. It doesn't feel like anything's inevitable, I think, is what what it is. So I like the first opening scene, and I think it really sets up a lot of good things about the show. And it's that it's when Rianne and Mira are together and it, it they're in the castle and they're guards for the Skeksis and they dream fast together. Yeah, that whole scene was so, like... Like you said, like, they, without doing exposition, like, set up this relationship between the two of them really quickly that you, like, understood, like, they were, like, mm-hmm. partners and, like, they they loved each other a lot. It it does so much for Rianne's character. Like, Rianne is, like, yeah. one of our leads. And I feel like in this scene alone, you learn everything you need to know about him, like, his relationship with his father, his personality, you know, he's got his friend Gurgen, like, all that kind of stuff, like... Everything you need to know about him, you learn here. And what's so great is, like, you know, they really build him up, and you really get a good sense of him. And at the end of this episode, what happens? Mira dies. And she's killed by the Skeksis. And Rianne sees it, and it changes his entire world. Well, that's, like, the, that, that's the beginning of his, like, hero's journey, and, like, his, that, that catalyst that, like, pushes him forward. Yeah. And I, I do think it's a very... You know, like, we're going to make a lot of Star Wars comparisons because this is a Star Wars show. I, I do think it's a very Luke kind of thing. Like, he, he went mm-hmm. from, you know, his his life and the way he thought things were, and then suddenly it just gets completely upended. And he's, yeah. he's on the run. The Skeksis are making it so that nobody believes mm-hmm. him. Yeah, his reality is, sh- is, cha- is shattered. Mm-hmm. But, like, for everyone else they don't believe him and they're still kind of living in the fantasy world. Yeah. And I I just feel for him, like, immediately. Because, like, they they set up this, like, oh, he his father's the captain of the guard and he's always been living in a shadow and he wants to prove himself. And, like, that's kind of how he gets into the mess that, like, gets Mira killed. And then everybody believes that he killed her including his father like they inject that angst so seamlessly yeah Uh, i just love that it's just very very good and like we know as an audience watching their introduction mira and and brian's that he would never lay a finger on her like would never harm her yeah it's like so clear that that's not the type of person he is and it's just it's really, really cool. And, like, it, it adds into how, I honestly, like I said, like, 
I was like, how can the Gelflings possibly believe the Skeksis? Like, they kind of show you. Like, they've become kind of complacent and like, well, the Skeksis guard the crystal. Like, why wouldn't we believe them even over one of our own? And I, I think that ties into what we see Brea go through. Because Brea is our next character. She's um, a Gelfling princess, um, Princess of Harar. Her daughter is the Almadra, which is like the basically like the queen of all the Gelflings. And I think her awakening and her side of the story is that she really sees that the Skeksis are trying to keep the Gelflings fighting amongst themselves so that they don't notice what the Skeksis are actually up to. No, you're right. Like, there is that division between the clans that is, like, actually causing them, like, more harm than good. Mm-hmm. It's, like, her whole focus of the story, like, I feel like with Rianne, it is igniting that spark of resistance, of that spark of rebellion. He has that hero's journey. With Brea, she learns that the way that they've been doing things isn't right. Like, it, it, things are out of balance. And she learns that, you know, no one Gelfling is better than another. And it's interesting that she gets to go on this journey because at the beginning of the story, she loves the Skeksis. She wants, mm-hmm. she gets to ride in their carriage. They're so cool. They're so knowledgeable. Like, she, she's very, she's kind of like a naive princess. And I, I really like that she gets to go on this journey where she really comes into her own. And even though she's not the one who's going to be, you know, next in line to be the Almadra, like, she really grows a lot and learns so much about their culture. And I have to say, like, I appreciate there being this, like, sister relationship in this show. Because you don't... You don't see it often enough in TV and movies. I think we see it a lot in YA novels. Like, I immediately think about A Court of Thorns and Roses when I think about um, sisters in, 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 like, stories. I also think about Sansa and and Arya in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. But, like, other than that, like, what about Star Wars? Like, what kind of (laughs) sisters... I really has sisters, but they don't ever talk yeah, but about there's them. That story, that story doesn't exist, though. That's yeah, exactly. It, it's <sighs> it doesn't matter. Like if it's not told, then it to me, it's but, it's not there yeah. because I think a sister relationship being told is so important. Like they mm-hmm. like you you often see brother relationships told in a lot of media. Yes. So often. Like, I, so yeah, often. Yes. And you never see the sister relationships, except, like I said, Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's There's something about, like, that bond, whether it's, like, they're actually sisters or they just, like, kind of come together oh, in that way. Yeah. It, 100%. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't have to be, like, biological. No, yeah. It, it's it's such, like, an important thing to show. And that's another really interesting thing about the Dark Crystal is that they live in a matriarchal society. Like, all mm-hmm. of their rulers are women, except for the, the Skeksis. So when it comes to Brea and her sisters, you know, like, one of her sisters is, like, gonna be... Like, she's in control of, like, the guard. And then, there's you know, the other sister, we have Celadon. Love her. We'll talk about her a lot more yeah. in the next episode. Um, she's in line for the throne. Like, she's gonna be the next Almadra. Like, I love this dynamic. 
and like all I could I kept thinking about how easy it would have been to make both of like those two could have been male characters and it just wouldn't have hit the same. No, it wouldn't have. They really do remind me of Nesta and right? and um, Farah and Elaine a lot. Yes. <laughs> I because Celadon is a Nesta character. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Like that's who she is. Like look, we mm-hmm. love this is a Farah is Tavra. Yes. I, I would say Farah is Tavra. Yes. And Elaine is Brea. Yes. I a hundred percent. I compl- I agree with you a hundred percent on that assessment. You are exactly correct. <laughs> I think we're gonna see that even more if we ever get an Elaine book. I feel like she mm-hmm. is definitely a Brea, and that's just oh. Brea is my favorite. She she's my favorite character. But our next fa- our next character that we get introduced to is Alex's favorite character. Yeah, and that Deet. is Deet. <laughs> she's she's even my Netflix icon like photo. <laughs> like I just I like would do anything for her. Like I would like. I, I'm, like, being honest. Yeah. Like, she is, like, my one of my favorite char- fictional characters ever. hmm She is just, like, this precious baby who just wants to do good. Like, there is, like, not a bad bone in her body. Like, she just wants to be everyone's friend. She is so sweet. I, I really, really love Deet as a character. Her introduction is interesting. Um, we mentioned that there are seven clans of Gelflings. Um, all of our main characters do come from different clans. Um, Deet is one that is kind of forgotten because um, they live underground. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of rumors about them being like, like all these things that the, like, like they because the other clans never see them, so they kind of they're talked about like, like oh that that clan, you know? Yeah, and I feel like. It's so interesting and it's so important that, like, we have Brea learning the story about, like, how they need to be in balance. And, like, the one who's, like, really heralding that in and, like, kicking that off is Deet from the clan that everybody thinks Mm -hmm. is lesser. Yeah. And she has a really important mission because she discovers that there's something wrong happening with, like, Thrall, the planet. She gets, like, a vision. Mm Mm-hmm. Which... Watching it again, like, is all things that we actually see, like, they're real scenes that you do get to see. They're not mm-hmm. just, like, scenes shot for the vision. Like, they're actual scenes that are going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Imagine the sequel trilogy was planned out and we got to see the Raylo vision <laughs> in the last chapter. It's like, yeah, I'm not bitter about that at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, but she is sent out, um, up into the lights, up to the, the upper regions to tell the Almadra that something is happening called the darkening. And it's described as a sickening in the crystal of truth and it corrupts everything it touches. So basically like they notice that some of the animals are becoming corrupted, um, like the plants are becoming corrupted. It could happen to gelflings or podlings even. Um, so like something wrong is happening. The thing that kicks off this, the Skeksis are using the crystal to keep themselves young and they figure out yeah. a way to do this a lot easier and that is to drain the essence of gelflings. 
but it is it is making the darkening happen it's, though, it's making that. the darkening happen so it's it's like corrupting the crystal and mm-hmm. that's what because happens I think to it's, Mira it's the scientist so Mark Hamill's sexy character who tells the emperor that no, like, if we continue doing this, the the darkening is going to happen, and the Emperor just kind of, like, keeps saying, like, that, that that's not real. Like, the, the darkening is it's nothing. Yeah. It, there's definitely, like, a lot of prophecies, a lot of visions type of things in this show. And anybody who's familiar with fantasy knows that, like, when you ignore prophecy, you know, things are going to go badly for you. <laughs> um... <laughs> They spend a lot of the next several episodes fixing the machine that drains this essence, um, which does give our Gelflings more time to kind of, you know, spread the word and get together and, like, all that kind of stuff. But the first one that they do this on is Mira, and that is what starts everything. That is what com- – that's what sets off everything that's going to happen as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. I would say that each one of our main characters – has like this realization by the end of the first episode mm-hmm. and that's really what takes the show off. Yeah. And then we get to we get to follow each one of them. Mhm. Well, and, like it's it's paced so well, like a show with three yeah. main characters, like I mean that's it's done before, but I would say that like the first episode gives each three characters the right amount of time and they all get that like call to action and by the end of the episode like things are moving i would say mm-hmm. and and that is some really good pacing that's some great pacing they do the they do the perfect amount of balancing the three of them mm-hmm. perfect amount of giving us enough character of each of them so by the end of one episode we already know like what each of them is like yes. and how different they are. Like they are very different characters and that's and it's really important that that they're so different otherwise I don't think the pacing would work as well. No, yeah, they all really stand on their own. Like they don't ever feel like they're not like stereotypy. They kind of are. Like they're they're like art they're like archetypes, you know, like Yeah. Like Rian is the hero and we have the princess and all that, but they're not like a stereotype, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But we've we've seen this story reskinned and yeah. retooled so many times, but it and it works. There's proof that this this story works, but it's the way that the Dark Crystal dresses that really basic hero's journey mm-hmm. that makes it special and makes it unique from anything else. I I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You can see a sense of, like, the magic and, like, why it sparks something in its viewers. Because you could say that Rian is Han Solo, Brea is Leia, and Deet is Luke. Like, those are kind oh, of their, sure. like, those are, like, their reflections in a way. Um, it's not one-to-one, mm-hmm. but when you're looking at, like, those types of characters... That is the story it's kind of setting up. So as we go into the next couple of episodes, um, we get to meet Hup, the paladin, the puddling paladin with his spoon. He's so cute. I love Hup. Yeah. Hup is so good. Hup won't die. Hup, like, Hup just want to protect 
um, D. He he like, protects. Hop is me. Hop is me. <laughs> like would do anything for D. <laughs> He's just so sweet and precious. And like I remember the first time watching because I thought the podlings were like really weird looking and I didn't like it. And now I'm like I would die for Hop. I love him. He's my baby boy. His little hat. Like, his little hair. Like, the hair. He's just so cute. And, like, he's so brave. I love... I don't know if you remember when this show came out. The marketing was fire. (laughs) Like, it was, like, really, really good because, like, they had an Instagram account or a Twitter account. And they would post videos of D... uh, Sorry, not D... Hup teaching you poddling. Oh, yeah. Like, sentences and poddling. Mm Mm-hmm. I was really funny. Like I like I still think like the marketing for this show was so freaking good. He's such I mean he's such a great character. Like that's where you can see that like young kids would love this show as well because they would really yeah. attach to a character like Hup. Like he's just so cute. And he gets his own arc as well because he's he's kinda like the little guy who wants to be a knight. And Yeah. His arc is so beautiful. <laughs> It's just great. Um, but he's going on this journey with Deet. Um, they're going to Harar. We find out that uh, Rianne's dad is going after Rianne. Tavra is going after Rianne. Um, it's just like, you know, everybody's trying to keep things under control. So, like, as of right now, nothing has really, like, busted out. We're still kind of have the lid on things. Celadon just wants to be loved. God, I love Celadon. Celadon just wants her mom's attention. Yes, exactly. Her mother teaches her that she is a princess first and a daughter second. Yeah. It's really, like, that's a stereotype too, though. Like, that she is choosing duty over love. Like, the Almadra is. Yeah. She's choosing duty over love. It's just, it's so Mm -hmm. devastating. And, like, you can see why that informs the decisions that she'll make later. Everything just makes so much sense. Like, it just... every Everything that we get to see now is just, like, laying such great groundwork for where we're going after that. Um, we also are introduced to Agra, um, which she was in the movie. She's kind of like our, mm-hmm. our crone, our all-knower. And what's kind of interesting is that, so, like, she was the protector of the crystal until the Skeksis came. And the Skeksis were like, yo, we're from space... It's pretty tight. We're going to build you a thing so you can see space. And she does that for a thousand years. And just the Skeksis just take over. And she wakes up and she's just like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, Agra, what are, you, what are you doing? But she she's trying to relearn the song of Thra. But because of the darkening, it's yeah. like silence right. or it's like clouded. It's just such a, it's such, like, a powerful, like, imagery to hear, like, the song of Thra, and it reminds me a lot of the Force, because I feel like in Agra's absence, it began to move through others, which would be, like, Rianne and Brea and Deet. Yeah. To help try to restore. It's, like, the, cos- the cosmic force, like, naturally selected other people to restore mm-hmm. because it's trying to heal like the the like land of Thra, the song like the heart of Thra is trying to heal itself mm-hmm. yeah and it, it selected individuals to do that and as we'll see later you know like it's not just those three who are in charge of this like they're it, it touches everybody and that reminds me kind of as well 
about like that end of The Last Jedi where it's like, you know, anybody can be a hero. Anybody could be um, part of the rebellion. Like it kind of lives in all of us. And I, I really like that that's kind of what the Song of Thra is as well. Or it's like, it's not just that these three were special. It's that anybody can hear it. And anybody can join this cause, like, once you are aware of it. So this is when, like, things kind of start to get real, I feel like. Yeah, like, things are escalating. Mm-hmm. Things are getting more uh, stressed. Like, the you're starting to see that water boiling. Yeah, the water is, the water is boiling, and it is really starting to uh, get a little bit intense. So we'll start with... Brea, um, because her, her side is kind of a little bit more, like, introspective, I feel like. She's doing a lot of research. She's trying to figure out what's going on. She gets a vision as well where she sees this symbol about balance, and she solves a riddle down in the castle um, in Harar, um, realizing that all the clans are equal, that they've been out of balance, and they're being kept out of balance. And she awakens a creature named Lore doing this. And you know who he's voiced by? Frank Oz. Frank Oz. <laughs> I was just going to say and Yoda. It's like, and it's also like a very Yoda sounding voice. Oh, it's voice. his Yoda voice. Like he 100%. Uses, yeah. I, I love Lore. I He's just so I really great. do too. I really like Lore. I Like it's something about just like kind of like gentle giants. Mm-hmm. It's like the iron giant kind of. Yeah. It's like that kind of character. I, I love the way he talks too because it's like a recording. And he like. Yeah. He like the way like that a, he. he <laughs> we just did the needle, same thing. Like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's a record player mm-hmm. on his arm. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool it's, it's it is really really cool. really cool well like he is telling um it, like he basically is now like a protector for brea to like help her you know restore mm-hmm. the balance and all of that um but she is discovered by celadon um while this is happening and celadon freaks out it's like you know brea has a monster in the basement you know like whatever um <laughs> she takes her to the old madra but her mother's like you know what I am, you know, a queen. I value truth. I value knowledge. Um, she's going to believe Brea. And she sends Celadon away. I This scene, like, really hit me because Celadon thinks that she's doing, like, all the right things. She's being really loyal to her mother. She's trying to, you know, be that princess, like, be that next in line. And, like, Brea is correct and, like, the Almadra should listen to her. But the way Celadon is dismissed is so clearly a mistake. Yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad. Like, it like it reminds me a lot of Nesta being kind of like dismissed by her dad. Yeah, the way the queen just brushes her aside and specifically says like, "I'm sending you to, you know, this other place to do this other thing." Like, you're not even going to be here. I'm going to do this with Brea. Like, it, it's, it, you can feel the shift in Celadon that, like, something's going to go down. You can feel it there. We also get Deet. She's continuing on to Harar. Is intercepted by Rianne and the Hunter, which is sent out by Chamberlain, who goes, mmm, all the time, um, to chase him. <laughs> 
um, and Rianne's father. Wait, do you know who plays Chamberlain? Yeah, Simon Pegg. Yeah, which is... Yeah, <laughs> on Carplet. He's always, like, <laughs> gross. He's always some <laughs> gross uncle. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> well, we kind of skipped over this as well. Like, Rianne met up with his dad... They kind of talked it out. They kind of figured things out. And he's kind of like, fine, I'll yeah. help you. But then the hunter comes after them. And they're all in the forest. And basically, Rianne's father sacrifices himself to save Rianne. This is frightening. And, like, I don't know how they pulled this scene off with puppets. Like, I would love to see exactly how they did this scene. Yeah. It's really good. Because there's, like, this this pit. I, I forget what they call it. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like quicksand. It's, it's like quicksand, but there's, like, living organisms in yeah, it. Yeah, quicksand with teeth, I guess. <laughs> um, a lot of little mouths. Um, and, like, basically, like, they lure the hunter here and, like, Rian's dad, like, jumps in front of him and, like, pushes him into the the pit. <laughs> they get, they yeah. both get kneaded into the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like, you know, they both die. Like, Rianne's father mm-hmm. basically, like, accepted Rianne and was like, you know what, I believe you and you're doing good work as well. You know, he dies for him. He dies for the love of his son. Yeah. Well, the hunter even says as they're, like, sinking, like, if I'm going down and bringing you with mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And it just makes it all the more devastating because the hunter does survive and he does take Rianne anyway. Um but it is such a pivotal moment for Rianne to see this happen and to know that, like, his father loved him and, like, was proud of him. And I'm not saying, like, this is a Ben Solo moment, but, like, <laughs> it's not unsimilar, I suppose. <laughs> or I was going to say it's not, unsi- it's not, it's also not unsimilar to Obi-Wan in A New Hope. That's, Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's very true as well. Like, seeing this this sacrifice and really... Because mm-hmm. Rianne is on his hero's journey. He's had his call to action and he's going. But I feel like this really changes something in him. So, like, we have a change yeah. in Rianne. We've had a change in Celadon. Like, things are shifting. Basically, everything comes together for the fifth episode and everything boils over. The Skeksis are looking for volunteers. They want the Almadra to give them Gelflings. Brea has convinced the Almadra that, like, this is wrong. She needs to listen to her. Rian escapes from Chamberlain. We see Deet and Hup arrive in Harar. And then, like, everything happens, like, all at once. So, like, Celadon, Dreamfast with Deet. We have Brea, Dreamfast with the Almadra, her mother. And then we have Gurjan, Rian and Kaya and a couple of others that are going to be part of the rebellion dream fast as well mm-hmm. and all this happens at the same time that Agra is trying to reawaken the song of Thra and they are all transported together I, I remember watching this for the first time and just being really shocked that they that this was the route they went on like they brought them all together in this way it's so mystical. And and this scene, from what I remember, it's been a really long time since I read the books, but I have, I'm pretty sure this scene happens in one of the books from, I want to say, Naya's perspective, because we're going on, like, that B-plot with her, and then it, it brings her to this scene. This story is so planned out. Mm-hmm. It was It's a really beautiful moment to, like, end on mid-season. 
like for us to like finish talking about this to actually see seven clans actually working together for once yeah it's really amazing and like the way the almandra like she shows not the almandra the way agra shows them everything that's happened like everything that has happened in the show like to this point what's going on with the crystal and she tells them you like thra is calling out to you like, you need to see the truth and you need to spread the truth. Like, she charges, you know, Rianne to come and find Deet and Brea. They have to go and try to, um, they're going to go into the desert and find the Circle of Suns. They're going to find a way to bring that balance again. Um, Gurjan and Naya and Tavra, they're going to, you know, light the fires of resistance. You know, this is all happening and, you know, Celadon is here too, even though she's you know, kind of having that shift in her. And her in this scene is amazing to me. And this one I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm looking. Because she's, you know, yells at her mother and she's like, you never see me. I will not give in to chaos. This isn't right. And Agra just sends her back. So like she's seen all this and she's like, if you're not going to help us, like whatever, like she just sends her back. And so Celadon is furious and she gets the guards, she gets the Skeksis, she tells them everything. Um, it results in the Almadra dying. And Solon didn't mean to do that, um, but she blames her sister. Yeah, she 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 tells the Skeksis, and the Skeksis kill the Almadra. And she wasn't expecting that to happen, but she immediately is like, you did this to Brea. Like, immediately. Like, th- you did this. And Celadon is proclaimed the new Almadra. Like, she is with the Skeksis. And it just feels so sad. They're sisters, and they've been ripped apart because of the Skeksis, just like the clans have. Our mid-season leaves off with our three main characters needing to meet up. They're going to go to the desert. They're going to figure out a way to bring balance again. Um, we're going to see more rebellion being sparked and we have Celadon, the new Almadra, the new bad bitch who is here to reign. She is reputation. She is every song on reputation. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially the scene like coming up. Oh yeah. That we'll we'll cover next yeah, we'll episode. Cover the next it's time. very I did something bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I feel like with episode five and, like, seeing this at the the end of this episode, it really shows you that, like, if you didn't think that you were in for something really special and really crazy, like, you're you're definitely in it now. It's it's exciting. I'm excited to rewatch them. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm also, like, and worried. Really, yeah, and then be really, really bitter about it getting canceled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll be talking about the last five episodes in our next episode. Um, obviously, after that, there is no more Dark Crystal, um, other than books, which hopefully um, I will be able to figure out a way to get my hands on. What are you most excited about going into these last five episodes? More of our main characters together. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've seen it before. We know that's coming, that we're going to get our three main characters all in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really excited to see... I like seeing Celadon as queen in those last couple of episodes. Her arc is just really, really great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, Tavra, the sister, the sisters. We didn't talk about this either. Like, so Tavra, who is Brea's sister, and Naya, who is Gurjan's sister, are a great ship. They're a great, yeah, like, they are like, girls with swords ship. Oh, okay, but like the books, like. <laughs> It's in the books. <laughs> yeah, because don't they, like, dream fast and everything, too, in the books? Like... I believe so. Like I said, it's been a while since I've read the mm-hmm. books, but the books feed the ship. They do. I love that. That's so great. So, like, there's that. Um, and then also, Deet and Rianne are a great ship as well. It's, like, it's weird because I remember the first time watching it being, like, wait, his, like, girlfriend literally just died. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember, like, getting, like, romantic undertones from, like, some episodes, like, near the end and being, like, really weirded out by it because his girlfriend just died. But now, like, I mean, they're they're telling the story they're telling, whatever. I think they do a good job building up to it because Rianne kind of, like, meets D here and there at the beginning. So, like, he'll, mm-hmm. he, like, meets her... In Stone in the Wood, very briefly. She's there when his father dies, very briefly. So, like, it slowly kind of builds up. And, like, you can tell when they first meet, like, maybe there's something there. But, like, it's, like, a slower build. I do remember one scene in particular, and I don't remember which episode it is, when they're, like, underground and, like, flying together. And I was like, this is some romance stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because there is the question. And, I mean, we'll probably talk about this more next time, but, you know, there's only two Gelflings left in the final... Whose offspring yeah, are whose they? offspring. Who are the parents? And I, I mean, like, I kind of, like, hate asking that yeah. question because of, like, Star Wars. Like, I hate to be that person. But... Because they could be nobody. They could be. It's very... <laughs> they could just be, you know, random Gelflings who survived somehow. Yeah. Or... So... <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think the difference in this conversation is we're not talking about, like, a reasoning for their powers being yeah. parents. Right. So, like, the thing is, is, like, we're following these three people, but they're nobodies. Yeah. Like, they were, like, like you said, like, like, somehow, like, they were kind of, like, propelled on this journey but they really are nobodies. Like, Bria is a princess, sure, but, like, it does seem very random selection. Well, it could have, like, Thra could have very easily chosen one of her sisters. And, I mean, in a way, yeah. you know, Thra did choose kind of all of them. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not hard to think that, you know, Thra just managed to save two Gelflings or, you know, it was just luck or something happened. Um, or it could be that ships sail. So, (laughs) but we don't know. (laughs) Um, but it is interesting. And I remember when this, the show started, because I was seeing, you know, Rhiannon and Mira, and I was like, they're really cute and I like them, but I can't, this is weird. They're puppets. And now I'm like, no, yeah, they were in love. (laughs) Gelfling babies. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything else that you want to say before we close out these first five episodes? 
I kind of like that, like, Dark Crystal likes to solidify that, like, only the girls have wings. Yeah. <laughs> ha ha. Like, they did it in the movie, too. I love... They did it, in, and they did it in the I show. I love the way they explain it at the beginning, because, you know, they have that race, and he says to Mira, like, hey, no wings, that's not fair. And she's like, well, I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> It's very cute. So I'm really excited to get into those last couple of episodes. I think it's going to be really fun. Um, As far as Star Wars things go to look forward to. So Bad Batch is coming up. Um, We will probably cover Bad Batch on this. Yeah. I think after we're done Dark Crystal, we will probably have one one episode before Bad Batch. So maybe we'll prepare we'll do like a bad batch like preparing episode maybe Ooh, maybe watch season seven bad batch episodes <laughs> yes we'll watch those we'll talk about you know how they were tech. yeah talk about tech talk about technic <laughs> you're like you're you're like oh we're gonna talk about how they're and i'm like tech. yeah i was like we're gonna talk about like how they were created and like why they're here and you're just like tech and I'm like, yeah, you know, you know what, you're right. You're right. I can't argue with you. You know, you're so so true, bestie. <laughs> um, other than that, um, the next book release for Star Wars is April 27th. That is The Greater Good, which is a Thrawn novel. And I kid you not, if you had told me last year that I would be looking forward to this book release, I would have laughed at you. But I'm actually mm-hmm. looking forward to this next Thrawn book. But, like, neither of us are looking forward to this because of Thrawn. That is so It's other true. characters. <laughs> it's other characters that are, like, very influential in this new series. Yeah, listen, I know that Timothy yeah. Zahn will never give me lesbians in space, but it would just be so much better if nobody was attracted to Thrawn and they were all just attracted to each other. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, listen, I know we have the hot throne, and, like, that's fine. He can be a thirst trap all by himself. Oh, my but, God. like, every woman... That special limited edition cover. <laughs> listen, it doesn't... It is un. It oh is unreasonable God. that every woman in these books is attracted to Thrawn. Like, I just... I don't... I don't understand. I think he... Like, I think he could only be attracted to his looks. Only. Yeah, only. But they're not, though, in the book. Like, I can see... Timothy Zahn, I know Thrawn is your self-insert because they're all in love with his brain. (laughs) I know it. And you made him super hot. Like, I see it. I see you. You're not being sneaky. (laughs) But I like... I like this series a lot more than the other one. I think it's going to be fun. Um, Also in April, we will get the print version of the Afra audiobook. So that will be fun. And then as we get further into summer, that's when we will get more of The High Republic, which I'm really looking forward to Justina Ireland's YA book. It's her first YA Star Wars. I'm very excited about that. Yes. But that is going to wrap it up for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can pretty much always find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.